Hello everyone, Alan Mishra here from Vitality Explorers. Please sign up at vitalityexplorers.com for free information about how you can enhance your physical, mental, social, and spiritual well-being. We're going to start, as we always do on the Vitality Explorer News Podcast, with a quote. This one is from Rumi, R-U-M-I. Quote, what you seek is seeking you. What you seek is seeking you. Let that resonate for a little while. Okay, on this week's podcast, we're going to talk about three things as we try to each week, two or three things. The first one is how lifelong exercise preserves muscle stem cells. That's pretty interesting, right? Exercise preserves your stem cells. We're going to learn specifically why just recreational exercise can enhance your vitality so you don't have to be an elite Olympic professional collegiate or otherwise athlete. It's just recreational exercise can preserve your muscle stem cells. Second one is we're going to have a little primer on why we sleep. I think there's a lot of information out there, and we're going to talk about a few of the explanations why we were, we really are unconscious for a third of our lives. Um, and the final one is my top 10 vitality tips, and these are things that I go over in my Stanford uh, vitality class, but we're just going to list them and then talk talk a little bit more in an interactive way if you're interested on the Vitality Explorer Substack site where you can see all of the references and this in a written form. If you find this podcast meaningful, please share it with your friends and family to enhance their vitality, and it would help if you are finding it uh, helpful for your own vitality to leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you are listening. So let's take a dive into why lifelong exercise preserves muscle stem cells. And on the Substack site, there's a picture of me with David Goggins, and David Goggins has this challenge. It's a 4 by 4 by 48 challenge, and I ran in part of this with my daughter in March of 2021. Excuse me, March of 2022. I've lost track of time here. Uh, so there's just last month. And his book, Can't Hurt Me, has sold over 3 million copies and has over 50,000 five-star ratings on Amazon. He's a former Navy SEAL, Army Ranger, and basically amazing motivational and exercise guru. Okay, so if you if you want some more motivation on how to exercise, check out Goggins on Instagram or read his book. So the challenge involved running four miles every four hours for 48 hours. And no, I did not do the whole thing. I did just one leg of it, so four miles. But running with him, my daughter, and a couple other, excuse me, a couple hundred other people was honestly inspiring. The assembled crew of, of Goggenites, that's what they call themselves, uh, really know how to exercise relentlessly. And this is a crucial way to improve your overall health. We know that. But interestingly, new data, newly published data, shows that how recreational exercise can preserve your muscle stem cells. So our stem cells are things that we have in our body, and they slowly, uh, we lose them over time. But this, this paper, which we're going to go into right now in the details, showed, looked at 15 sedentary young men, 15, excuse me, 16 recreationally active older men, and 15 sedentary older men. And then they did a biopsy of their vastus lateralis, which is a component of your quadriceps muscle. And then they looked at them under a microscope, did some cell cultures, and also did some testing. And what they found, and they defined a couple things we have to define, recreationally active was completing at least 150 minutes of moderate uh, intensity activity or 75 minutes of vigorous intensive activity a week 
plus some muscle strengthening activity for two or more days a week. These people, however, were not, were not engaged in training for a specific sport or even, quote, training with a purpose. That would have kicked them into a higher level of exercise. But clearly, that's a fair amount of exercise per week. I would call that exercising relentlessly. They define the sedentary category as, quote, occasionally or incidental physical activity. That's like walking to work or other household activities. So they were comparing these two groups, some young, some old. And here's what they found, quote, Lifelong exercisers were studied along with age-matched sedentary individuals and young subjects. The muscle biopsies were obtained from the subjects and used to do a variety of um, things called immunofluorescent analyses and cell culture experiments, and then looking at muscle mass and function. And the older subjects were 68 years or older. The young subjects were in their 30s. So these were definitely people who were... um, moving into their senior years, shall we say, and people who are, would be considered still quite, you know, in their, in their younger, younger age group. So here's the two physiologic concepts we need to understand the results. Number one, muscle satellite cells are, uh, they play a key role in really muscle fiber repair and remodeling, especially in response to exercise. And they are, quote, bona fide muscle stem cells, Okay. Innervation, that's concept number one. So muscle satellite cells are muscle stem cells. That's number one. Number two is innervation. Innervation, it's um, I-N-N-E-R-V-A-T-I-O-N, is the connection between a nerve and a muscle. So more innervation innervation means more or better neural connections between the muscle and um, the brain. That leads to better muscle function. So here's what they found. Lifelong exercise preserved muscle satellite cells uh, and that the cells from the older men who had exercised consistently had better nerve connections that were similar to the young control group and better overall muscle function than the sedentary old men. Okay, so I think what this amounts to is in conclusion for this study, recreational physical activity consistently done preserves muscle satellite cells during aging, and it can also enhance the muscle innervation status. So the quote from the paper was, these data strongly suggest that detrimental effects of aging can be partially offset by lifelong, self-organized recreational exercise. Let me say that one more time. This is a quote from the paper. These data strongly suggest that the detrimental effects of aging can be partially offset by lifelong, self-organized recreational exercise. I hope this paper motivates all of us to exercise relentlessly if we want to preserve our muscle function later in life. And you can read all the details of this on the Vitality Explorer News Substack site and post your comments there. And please share this if you're interested. We're going to move on to sleep. And sleep is a crucial component, a foundational component of our physical and our mental uh, well-being. Uh, and I think it's it's really something we need to continuously try to learn more about. Um, there's some really serious unanswered questions that I'm going to poke at today here. Uh, number one is, exactly why do we sleep for a third of our lives? Where did the eight hours of sleep rule come from? What is the history of sleep? Okay, so let's let's try to answer some of those questions. Um, so exactly why we sleep for a third of our lives, honestly, is not fully understood. There's a lot of people who are going to tell you that they know, but um, let me let me suggest that's not 100% sure. Uh, we know, however, that sleep is more important than food and that all, all animals must sleep to survive. So, again, we talked about this in, in previous ones, but sleep is a, a foundational component of our mental and physical well-being. 
Poor sleep truly impairs our immune system, cardiovascular system, and most importantly, our brains. So let's, let's first, has anybody, anybody ever really defined sleep for you? This is kind of interesting, right? What exactly is sleep? So if you look it up in, in a variety of papers, it's a quote, state of, un, state of consciousness, not unconsciousness, state of consciousness associated with limited interactions with our uh, surroundings. It's a very odd thing to do in general. And that's why I'm, I'm still baffled as to why we sleep. So researchers have tried to explain why we sleep and why it's mandatory. And let's just go over three of them. Number one, this makes sort of intuitive sense. Sleep is required to restore function, allows the body to relax and repair itself. Okay, that makes some sense. Number two, brain plast the brain plasticity theory uh, suggests sleep is required to help rewire the brain and help us learn. And there is data that suggests sleep helps the brain flush out waste products during sleep. That's pretty interesting. There's this like uh, cerebral spinal fluid in your in your brain and in, in, inside your cranium. And so emerging data suggests that we are able to flush out some waste products in our brains during sleep. And that means sleep really can help you clear your head. Okay. That's number two. Number three is sort of an, uh, a bio biological construct of why we sleep. And that's the energy conservation theory that suggests that we burn less calories when we sleep and that decreases the need to find and consume food. Okay. Here's my take. We really don't still completely understand. Um, we need, I think we're going to need a fundamental breakthrough because one of the other things, which we're not going to get into today, but, but why do we dream? You know, we are still vividly, you know, dreaming some nights and that, that requires energy. So I'm not sure exactly how much the energy conservation theory or the brain plasticity theory or the restoration or function theory, you know, we need a comprehensive, better understanding. Um, we also need to realize that not all sleep is the same. There's a lot of stages to sleep and researchers debate about which one's more important and for how long. Um, I don't think anybody's identified the absolute optimal number. I think it varies a lot by, by, by each person and is partially related to your genes and the mechanisms that control your internal or what's called your circadian clock. So we might find that much like we have either brown hair or black hair or blue eyes or green eyes that our, our clocks genetically are programmed a little differently. So this overall idea of eight hours of sleep is, is not, is just sort of an average. So there's people who are need less and there's people who may need, need more. Um, if you look up the his, historical constructs of sleep, it's very interesting because it, it, you know, um, the finding is that there really used to be two sleep times prior to the revolution of electrical lighting. Now uh, we slept for about four hours then engaged in some sort of activity for an hour and then slept for about another four hours. And so historical records have found at least 500 references to this idea of segmented sleep. So the eight hours straight for ideal, um, I, I'm not sure we need to feel sleep shamed if we don't sleep for seven or eight straight hours. I think sleep also clearly varies with age. You know, your, your very young kids will sleep 14, 16, and 18 hours a day. And then older people sometimes just dream of sleeping like a baby and good luck waking up a teenage boy before noon sometimes on a Saturday. Um, so again, I think we're not there yet. I think we need to, to, to better understand it. And we also need to um, kind of challenge the status quo because I think each of us knows how well we have slept and how well we have not slept. So I know there's a lot of tracking devices out there that are going to give you your REM sleep or this kind of sleep or how many times you tossed or turned. But more often than not, I found people start to feel bad about that data. And that data uh, is not perfectly correlated 
uh, with, say, a, a sleep lab in most cases. Um, I think we need to give ourselves a, a little bit of grace as to how much we sleep. We also need to take something, just a simple sleep diary, which is giving yourself a number from zero to ten on how well we sleep, and then keeping a little recording of, you know, what do we try to do to improve our sleep. For example, exercise can help burn off calories, stress, energy. It's an excellent way to improve your sleep. Um, exercising also, you know, consistently can can help you sleep better. Setting up a, a sleep time that's very consistent is one of the most important ways. A sleep and wake time that's consistent is an excellent way to help you improve your sleep. Um, and and yet, even if we do all this right and we have a serious work or relationship stress problem, that can interfere with our, our sleep because we just are constantly thinking about it at night. So again, sleep is very complex. Um, one thing we know is that poor sleep is terrible for your mind and body, and even sleeping for a single day can impact your vitality. Um, some, some, some researchers believe you can pay back a sleep debt. Others are skeptical about sleeping, example for, for example, more on the weekends to make up for not sleeping during the week. Um, this, again, was just meant to be a primer, and I think the idea here is that there's a lot we still need to know about why we sleep, how we sleep optimally, uh, but it is clearly a, a huge component of your overall vitality. So we're going to finish this week with uh, my top 10 vitality tips. And these, again, come from the Vitality Essentials course book, which is up on Amazon if you want to pick that up, or, or part of my vitality class that I teach at Stanford, which I'm uh, beginning again spring quarter 2022. And here they are in reverse order. Um, and I'd love for people to go on the Substack site, um, vitalityexplorers.substack.com, and check these out and then post your comments and or put up your own vitality tips because I, I clearly can learn a lot from, from the people who are listening to this podcast or reading it about it on uh, the Vitality Explorer news on Substack. So here they are. Number 10, digest pressure with uncertainty. Excuse me. <laughs> Fumbled on that one already. Number 10, digest pressure and uncertainty with action. That's number 10. Digest pressure and uncertainty with action. Number nine, one of my favorites, avoid a-holes at all costs. Number eight, stockpile health, not wealth. Number seven, cultivate closeness and call a friend. Number six, eat less and eat less often. Number five, consider sleep a superpower. Number four, Pinpoint your purpose. Number three, believe in something bigger than yourself. Number two, write down your future headlines. And number one, vitality is a skill that can be learned. So please uh, check it out on the Substack site. Tell me which one's your favorite. Tell me which one was not helpful, what is missing for the list, and should the order be changed. So thank you again for listening to the Vitality Explorer news for this week. Please share this with your friends and family to enhance their vitality. And I will see you again next week. And until then, dare to be vital.